All right, we're in Romans chapter 12 today. Get your Bibles turned to Romans chapter 12. We'll start reading in verse 1. This is Romans class number 38. Romans class number 38. All right, let's get started. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now we will stop reading right there at the end of verse 8 and go back to verse 1 and try to come through a little section of the scripture today. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you therefore, Brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, the first portion of this scripture deals with the presentation of your body. Now, most people are very interested in this in and of themselves. They're interested in it on a daily basis, how they present themselves. There's a lot of mirror time. That's M-I-R-R-O-R, mirror Uh, A lot of mirror time that's going on in the uh, world today. Get up in the morning, uh, hopefully take a shower and uh, brush your teeth and comb your hair and trim your mustache and put on your makeup. Whatever it is that you do, that's mirror time and that is presentation. That is how you're going to present yourself to the world that day, whether it be at work, whether it be at play whether it be at the gym, whether it be at church, whatever the case may be. That is self-presentation. Now, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And so this is all about how you present yourself to God. He says you're to do that with holiness. He says you're to be holy, acceptable unto God. And so, Many of these little phrases that you find right here in the opening section of Romans chapter 12, they have uh, an an object, but they have many adjectives. This sacrifice is holy, it's acceptable to God, and it's reasonable service. In verse number 2, you have the will of God, and the will of God is good, and it's acceptable, and it's perfect. And so these, these are objects that, that can be looked at from different aspects. And so in each of these things, you've got multiple descriptions of how the thing ought to be. Your presentation is important. The will of God is important. The, your presentation to God should be holy. 
It should be acceptable. God should be accepting of it. It's not, do I feel convicted about this or do I, am I doing this by faith? And that's a great, important, those are great and important ideas to consider. But many of us go about our days, we go about our lives only worrying about what does it look like to the world or what does it look like to my boss or what does it look like to my best friend and what does it look like to my followers on Facebook what does it look like to them but this is a very important uh, couple of verses of scripture especially based upon chapter number 11 in verse 36 it says for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. This, of course, when it says him, it's talking about the Lord out of verse 34. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? Who, who counsels the Lord? Nobody. The Lord takes counsel of himself. Or who hath first given to him the Lord and it shall be recompensed unto him again. The Lord doesn't owe us. We owe the Lord. The Lord has has uh, the the responsibilities of a creator, and he's been faithful in those things. That's why the Bible continually says, faithful art thou, <laughs> true art thou, faithful and true art thou. And the Lord, the, the word of God ascribes to the Lord faithfulness because he is faithful. And there's nothing that the Lord is, there's nothing that the Lord is responsible to provide us with as our creator as our father as our lord that he doesn't uh, perform faithfully the lord is a faithful god he's a faithful father he's a faithful creator and all the all the things that goes along with him being our father and being our creator he has given to us and he has shown to us and he has taught us he has provided for us god is a faithful god so with that in mind he says in verse six, uh, 36 for of him that means things in the sense of being a creator, in the sense of being the originator of the idea of man, the concept of man, the principles of man. God is the originator of those things. That's Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It's not describing an action. It's a statement of origin. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Nothing else need be said about authority. Nothing else need be said about rights. Nothing else need be said about anything regarding the, the aspects of who owes who allegiance, who owes who faithfulness, who owes who their consideration. In the beginning, God created. That answers all of those questions. So in this sense, he says, for of him and through him and to him are all things. Uh, everything originated from God, whether it be life, whether it be provision, whether it be uh, purpose, intent, whatever, the, it all come from him. And it's through him. It's not only that he created it and left it to itself, but God is in the daily operation of things. God, God is not just a far distant observer who is trying to see the cause and effect of things. And, and even in the sense that men reap what they sow, God is still the, the, the ordinance of temperance and those things we if we reaped what we deserved 
in that we've sown things that should destroy us. We've committed great acts that should have damned us forever. Reaping and sowing is always going to be a truth, but God is a great temperance. God is a great, uh, God is a great uh, means of temperance. And in that he gives us what we deserve only to the extent that we can bear it. And God, if it was, the Bible says, and this is a great way of explaining it, the Bible says that if it was, if it was not for his mercies, we would be consumed. And that that is absolutely true. God's blessings are not just blessings that we stumble upon. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. It's not just something that we stumble onto because we decided to make a left here and we decided to make a right there. And in other words, we decided to make a good, a good decision this day and a good decision that day and a bad decision the next day and a good decision uh, the next day. And we, in that sequence, we stumbled upon some blessing. Or we made bad moves after bad moves after bad moves, so we got this bad thing. The reaping and sowing aspect of that is true, but whether it's reaping good things or reaping bad things, either side of the equation, those things come through God. They're dispensed through God on a daily basis, on a routine basis, on a faithful basis, so that God moves, God acts on our behalf. God, uh, I believe, I'm not a Calvinist, but I believe very much in the providence of God. I believe in the withholding power of God. I believe in the, uh, the letting, in the sense of God allowing us to do this thing or that thing that He knows is going to cause us hardship or He knows is going to, uh, going to cause some sorrow or grief. Uh, but the 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 ministering to us on a daily basis, the ministering to us on a an event by event basis, comes through God. It's not just God letting us live our lives, bumping our heads here and scraping an elbow here, and just learning from it the best we can. All things, whether it be blessing or whether it be cursing, is continually dispensed by a God who knows the very number of hairs that we have on our head. The, the same God who knows when that sparrow falls to the ground, the same God that takes into consideration every aspect of our lives on a daily basis. He lets it rain on the just and on the unjust. And this is the God that we serve. He says... Uh, there, he is the originator of it. It's of him. It's through him and that he is the he has a daily ministration of these things in our lives. And he says ultimately, it's not just of him and through him, but it's to him. If he judges us, it should be able that judgment in our lives should be able to come around to his glory. If he saves us, then that saving of us, that mercy that he provides to us should also come back around to his glory, to his goodness, to to the testimony of his faithfulness. And so these things are they're of him. He's the originator of it. It's through him. He is the uh, administration. He is the minister of our lives. And he is also the recipient of glory from our lives. Perhaps that glory is in judgment. Perhaps that glory is the testimony 
of a life lived bad and the consequences of it. That still resounds to the glory of God, to, to, his, to the accuracy of his precepts, to the accuracy of his judgments. And a great statement in the Bible is that thou mayest be just. I'm talking about in the judgment of God, that he's just in it, that he's the just and the justifier. And so these things are, this is a great concept that's contained here in verse 36 of chapter 11. And so with those things in mind, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. And that means simply in comparison to verse 36 in chapter 11, is that your life is subject to the idea that it comes from God. It the the blessings and uh, even the the things that are not advantageous that we wouldn't consider blessings, but the judgment side, the the reaping of ill rewards for our ill deeds, those things are still ministered through the hand of an Almighty God. It's it's from Him. It's of him, is, is the exact word that's used in verse 36. It's of him, it's through him, and it returns to him, whether it be in glory, whether it be in justification, uh, whether it be in the proof of his goodness and the glory, his glory, uh, his uh, exaltation, his praise. Makes no difference how it returns to him, whether it be good or bad on our part, it's always going to turn out to be a justifier of him. It's always going to, pr- the results of our lives are always going to prove him to be right and good and holy and just. And keeping that in mind, Paul is saying in Romans 12 and verse 1, he's saying, conform your life to him because that's where it came from. Conform your life to him because the daily administration of your life is going to come through him. And he says, conform to these principles because whatever turns about in your life, whether you reap good or whether you reap bad, that's going to return to the glory of God as well. And so I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Even that object of the sacrifice there, it's, there's a description attached to that as well. Just as the... Sacrifice is holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That sacrifice is also a living sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. So that life is what we're talking about. Your life is to be a living sacrifice. Your life is to be a sacrifice. I should say that more accurately. Your life is to be a sacrifice so that your life is holy. Uh, If... You're going to live a holy life. You're going to have to sacrifice some things uh, that are part of your life, some pleasures you'll have to forego. Uh, Most people are familiar with the statement that Moses chose to suffer with the children of God rather than to experience the pleasures of sin for a season. Some things that our flesh would enjoy doing, maybe they're not even sinful things, maybe they're not abominations, but some things, some enjoyments of the flesh we'll have to sacrifice in our lives. And that makes them a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Pardon me. That makes them a living sacrifice. Well, I wish I could say everything perfectly at all times, but just not to be the case with me. But at any rate, our 
daily existence is to be a living sacrifice. And those things are going to be bound up in holiness and things that are acceptable to God. Those things, uh, in my estimation, do the same. Holy things are acceptable to God. Many times you'll read in verse number 2, and we can cover this right here and now. You'll hear somebody say, well, God has three wills. He has a good will. And he has an acceptable will, and he has a perfect will. Some things are good, but they're not acceptable. I do not believe that. I, I do not espouse that. I don't even see any logic in that. Uh, I, I can't see that God could have a good will that's not acceptable. How is goodness not acceptable? Uh, I, I don't believe in a permissive will and a directive will of God. I don't believe that there is a such a thing as that. I believe there is God's will. And God's will is very definable. And uh, once you get it over in the class in Colossians, we'll come back to this this place in Romans and we'll deal with some of these things as well at that time as far as the will of God is concerned. But the thing that you have to realize is, is that whatever God wants you to do, it's revealed in the Scripture that the just shall live by faith. It's God's will for you to live by faith. And in the process of living by faith, you have to realize, is the thing good? Is it acceptable? Is it perfect? And if you miss the will of God, it's not that God has something else that he's, you know, God has this thing directed for you. God, God's direction for you is to do this. But if you don't happen to do that and you do something else that God will give you permission to do that, that really has no basis in reason or logic or any other form of any other manner of thinking. It's that God has a will for you, and if you miss that will, if you miss what God's will is for you, then He has grace. God will be merciful to you in so much as you have a repentant heart and a humble heart. And when we're talking about the will of God, we're not talking about should you be a pastor, should you be a missionary. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about God's will for your life is clearly defined. And what it is for you as a Christian, it is for me as a Christian. God's will is in the salvation of men. God's will is in the, the life of men. In other words, you can greatly define God's will for your life by first saying, it's God's will for me to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And you can look at those verses up and you can see those for yourself. But then you'll find other passages such as uh, passages that outline the fruits of the Spirit. It's God's will for you to reap those fruits from the Spirit and to manifest those, those uh, particular things that are outlined in the fruits of the Spirit. There's passages of Scripture that tells you that it's God's will for you to be thankful. It's God's will for you to study the Scripture. Those things are clearly definable. You can find passages such as First Timothy, excuse me, Second Timothy chapter one, that says, "Add to your faith." Now the just shall live by faith. Okay, great. So add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience uh, godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Add those things in your life. It's God's will. Those things are God's will. And if you can see yourself. If you can see yourself in that place where there's virtue and there's faith and there's godliness and there's temperance and there's, then you you are in God's will 
and living inside of God's will, you may desire the office of a bishop. Uh, there is not a, a man on this earth that I've heard describe the reasoning behind the passage in Timothy that says, If any man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth the good thing. What does desire have to do with it if it's some mysterious calling that God... No, you find those, you find those vocations of which you ought to walk worthy of, Ephesians chapter 4. You find those vocational uh, uh, specifics as you walk with God in His will, walking in faith, walking in virtue, walking in love, walking in long-suffering. As you study the Scripture, you find your place inside the Christian life and you, you know you're in the will of God because the attributes of His will are there. And you find those places in a life that's subject to Him. It's not subject to self. It's not subject to self-will. Your will is always going to be present in your life. Certainly. Because you are fallen men, your will certainly is tainted. Your will certainly is sinful much of the time. But that's what He's telling you this for. This is why He's trying to... Uh, this is why He's trying to plead with you. I beseech you therefore, brethren... He's speaking in this manner because he wants you to be mindful that your selfish will in which God is, if God is sovereign, if God is, my preferred word is almighty. If God is almighty, then he is certainly able to communicate with a fallen man. He's able to reason uh, with a fallen man who has a fallen will. No question in my mind about that because God says to man, come now, let us reason together. So there's no question that God can reason with you in these things. But in his reasoning, he says, I would have you live by faith. I would have you be mindful that everything you're ever going to experience ultimately comes from me. It's of me. I created all things. And it is through him that you're not going to get blessings without that that blessing comes through the hands of God. You're not going to get judgment unless that judgment, uh, repercussions, consequences for your actions, they come through the hands of God. Life comes through the hands of God. Your wife, your children, the decisions that you make. Uh, I don't believe that God makes decisions for you. I believe that your attitude your submissiveness, your rebellion, your obedience, your disobedience brings about the decisions that you'll make today, tomorrow, the next day, your attitude, your perceptions of the world. I believe, I believe that they all have an influence, but I believe that they have an influence on what God will set before you, whether it be open doors or closed doors or whatever the case may be. And in that sense that they... They, that all things are of him, created by him, in other words, and through him they come through his hands, whether they be blessings or curses, and that they ultimately are going to resound back to his glory. They're to him. I believe Paul is, is calling on you to uh, be very mindful of this and make your life a living sacrifice so that recognizing that you do have your, your own will, and recognizing that God wants to deal with your will is that your will would be to present yourself a living sacrifice. I'm going to make myself a willing disciple. I'm going to willingly 
submit myself to him that bought me with the price and I'm going to be an obedient servant and a good servant, a holy servant, an acceptable servant. And in that I'm going to find God's good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And in that you'll find blessing. You'll find renewal of your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so it's there is much very much to be said about studying the scripture and praying very much to be said for that in that God is going to speak with you and deal with you and change but there's also very much to be said about attitude whether it be thankfulness or whether it be submissiveness whether it be uh, repentance whatever the case may be there's very much to be said uh, about those things in regards to finding pardon me your uh, place uh, in your your place in your relationship to Almighty God. And so verse 36 of chapter 11 and verse 1 and 2 very much go together. We're at about 25 minutes here, so I think we'll stop here. I would have liked to be able to finish chapter 12 all in one session as we did chapter 11, but uh, just goes to show you chapter uh, as you go through the Bible from chapter to chapter, uh, some things flow very easily and uh, some topics of a chapter can be uh, summed up together very nicely and those things can be built upon by each student of the Word of God at, at a later date. Some of these things like these, this idea in chapter 12 uh, has to be broken down I think and, and sometimes we have to spend more time on individual verses and concepts and and of course i haven't said all that could be said there's no way that i could do that uh with with a finite mind uh, i've not said all that could be said about these verses i haven't said all that could be said about god's will and uh, god's uh, our, god's will for us and god's grace towards us when we come short of his will much more can be said about that perhaps we will say more about it in class number 39 but for for this class i believe that we've said enough and that we'll pick up in verse number three lord willing the next time perhaps a little review out of verse one and two uh, but until next time god bless you get in here and read it over and over for yourself and pray about it and ask god to give you a light on these things because i believe it's very i believe the end of chapter 11 and the beginning of of chapter 12 the end of chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 12 gives a lot of insight on our relationship to God and our fellowship with God. Two different things, relationship, fellowship uh, in regards to being sons and at the same time in regards to being his servants. And Paul usually refers to himself that way, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ or Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ. And so he tells us uh, very much so that he is the apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And so these things are very important. Our mindset, our outlook, our obedience, our disobedience, all of those things can be found in the ideas that's been presented here, verse 36 of chapter 11, verse 1 and 2 of chapter 12, very important here. And you should give some more thought to it, give much thought to it and much prayer. And I'm sure that God will bless you and show you what he wants you to see in this passage. It'll help your life. I believe it. We'll see you next time.